I'm E.J. Ionelli, and this is From the Studio. And Tack at the Lake's production of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap opens this weekend, and we have several cast members, plus the director, here in the studio this morning to talk about it. And we're also going to hear a few scenes from this very famously secretive musical, including one that we have coming up, and this is going to come to you live from our performance space right now. So here are three performers doing a scene from Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. Mrs. Ralston crosses the room with the vacuum towards the stairs. Really? What an incredible young woman! Doesn't she know anything about housework? Carrying a carpet sweeper through the front hall. Aren't there any back stairs? Oh yes, nice back stairs. Very convenient if there was a fire. (sighs) Then why not use them? Anyway, all the housework should have been done in the morning before lunch. I gather our hostess had to cook the lunch. All very haphazard and amateurish. There should be a proper staff. Not very easy to get nowadays, is it? No, indeed. The lower classes seem to have no idea of their responsibilities. Poor old lower classes. Got the bit between their teeth, haven't they? I gather you are a socialist. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm not a red, just pale pink. But I don't take much interest in politics. I live abroad. I suppose conditions are much easier abroad. I don't have to cook and clean as I gather most people have to do in this country. This country has gone sadly downhill. Not what it used to be. I sold my house last year. Everything was too difficult. Hotels and guest houses are easier. They certainly solve some of one's problems. Are you over in England for long? Depends. I've got some business to see to. When it's done, I shall go back. To France? No. Italy? (laughs) No. Miss Casewell then crosses to the radio and turns it up, increasing the volume in order to irritate Mrs. Boyle. Would you mind not having that on quite so loud? I always find the radio rather distracting when one is trying to write letters. Do you? If you don't particularly want to listen just now... Oh, it's my favorite music. There's a writing table in there. I know, but it's much warmer here. Much warmer. I agree. In a huff, Mrs. Boyle exits the room. Bloody old bitch. And scene. And that was Kaylin Khan. Amanda Jarvis, with some narration from the director, Jamie Shario, they were performing a scene from Tack at the Lake's upcoming production of The Mousetrap. And with us in the studio, as they make their way from the performance space into the KPBX studio, we already have with us Paul Shario. Hello. Good morning, Paul. We have Jolena Long. Hello. And Jeff Rocco. Hello. Who are already here, and they will be performing a scene a little later on, but they are uh, they are acting in this in this production as well. And uh, Jamie and Kaylin and Amanda have just arrived. So welcome into the, the KPBX studio. Thank you. It's good to have you this morning. Now, Jamie, this is a production that I think a lot of people will be familiar with, even if they don't necessarily know the plot, they know the production from its secrecy. There's almost as much secrecy around the production as there is um, in the plot itself, in a way, because this has been running for something like 70 seasons on London's West End. It's an, uh, the world's longest running play. But uh, audiences are asked not to divulge the ending, So even though it's a big tourist attraction. so. Tell us what you can about this uh, this production. Um, it is so fun 
to read through and listen to uh, the the story itself and the original story of Three Blind Mice. And uh, just to note some of the differences between the two. And um, I love this adaptation that Christy wrote. But it's so fun because you never really know who the victims or victim or victims are going to be, let alone who the murderer is. And we've tried really, really hard as a cast to keep that secret and really keep people guessing. And when you talk about the versions, are you talking about the original short story on which it's based, which is Three Blind Mice, or when it's adaptation into a radio play and then it made the transition to a stage play? So which which adaptation so are you talking about? So I read about? the book. I see. Okay. So I read the short story first. Actually, I listened to it on Audible. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> and um, and then I haven't read the, the I didn't, haven't heard the play, but um, but the, when Christy had adapted it for the stage, she added a character as well. So, uh, so that mixture and just some of the more richness you get out of the characters from the original story is, is re- quite fun. Now, most of our listeners will be familiar with you from your work with CDA Act. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you've been our guest most frequently in the studio. But here you are with Tack at the Lake. How did this come about? Um, actually, I've uh, worked with TAC uh, at the lake for several, several years, um, on and off for the last 20, how old are you? 21? Uh, <laughs> 20 years. Um and uh, I've actually worked with almost every theater in Spokane. It's been a, it's been a lovely community to be a part of. And why this particular production? What lured you back from CDA Act for this particular production? Uh, timing. This time of year is a good uh, hole for me uh, in my own schedule as well. But also it's Agatha Christie. I mean, come on. <laughs> So let's move to uh, Amanda. Now, your character in this is Miss Casewell. Yeah. Can you give us a little background on your character? And we did just hear her a little bit in that scene, but for listeners who didn't know which voice was associated with which character, who was Mrs. Casewell? Miss Casewell is described as a manly woman, um, and she's a bit cheeky, so she likes to, I mean, in that scene, she was messing with Miss Boyle, trying to get a rise out of her, and I think you'll kind of see that antagonism kind of throughout the play a little. And all of these characters have a little bit of, have a question mark hanging over their past. Can you give us a little bit of detail on the question mark that might be hanging over Miss Casewell's past? Yes, she definitely has a dark past. I can't give too much away, <laughs> but she there you'll see throughout the play definitely she she has some secrets that she's keeping for sure. And what was happening just before that scene? So we heard the dialogue there, we heard the interplay between the actors, but what was happening just ahead of that that precipitated that scene? Go ahead. Mrs. Boyle was hanging out and, and making everyone's lives a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kaylin, that's a great chance to, uh, to introduce your character. Um, this is Mrs. Boyle, and she's an older woman. So could you tell us about her? Yeah. Um, Mrs. Boyle is a very difficult person. I think if you've ever worked in retail or something like that, there's always that person that wants to complain and make your life just a little bit harder, and that's Mrs. Boyle. Uh, she's going to find every way to make it hard. <laughs> so she's very fault finding. Yes, very much so. And she has her own uh, version of the world that she expects everyone to live up to and then is offended when they don't live up to her standards that she sets. And is that her entire story or does she have this question mark hanging over her past as well? She definitely has a question mark. I can't, you know, I can't say anything at the moment because you're supposed to find out. Um, But there's there's a lot going on with Mrs. Boyle that you you learn about throughout the play. 
And this is both of your first time in the studio, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. So how did you come to be involved in this production and uh, Theater Arts Center at the Lake? Uh, well, for much like Jamie, it was just a really good time for me. Um, I work in the school district. We've kind of had a whole of uh, extra time. And I've been talking about auditioning for something for a while, kind of getting into getting back into theater for, for myself. And Agatha Christie, I was I was drawn to that as well. So it was just, yeah, good timing. Uh, as for me, I, I love theater. I just graduated high school back in June, and I've been trying to find good communities. And um you know, Agatha Christie. I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan, um, and I will be until the day I die. And so when I saw that there was a play, I knew I wanted to get involved in whatever way that was possible. And so that's interesting because, Kaylin, this is a way for you to continue the theater that you may have done in high school, whereas, Amanda, this is a way for you to actually get back into theater. So had you done theater in, say, high school and university? Yeah, I, um, I I did it in high school. A couple things in college, um, and then a couple things with my old church. But it's been at least 10 years since I've been on an actual stage, so it's really exciting to get back into it. And how easy was it? Get, so it's exciting to get back into it, but how easy was it? Did you find that the, that it required a, a bit of a shift? It definitely did. It was actually so much harder to memorize my lines this time around. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess that's age, but probably really good for really good for my brain. <laughs> um, cool. So Jeff. We were talking just ahead of the interview, and the last time you were with us was when you were directing another murder mystery. Uh, it was slightly different. This was Clue the Musical, so yes. a little a little zanier. Absolutely. Um, but here you are with the mousetrap. So who is your character in the mousetrap? Uh, so I play Giles Ralston. Um, my wife and I are starting a guest house out of her aunt's old estate that she was left. And I'm very concerned about the people who are coming and how we don't know them and how they could be terrible people. And it's just very, it's sort of my whole thing. You know, I'm very worried about the people that are coming into our house. Yeah, and I think that's maybe one thing that we omitted in kind of the setup is that there is this guest house. And the reason these characters are assembling is because it's, uh, is it a snowy night? And Well, they're all there to come. They've all reserved rooms and they're there to stay for an indeterminate amount of time. However, they get stuck because of a snowstorm, a massive snowstorm, and, and they get kind of stuck there. And so that's why they all find themselves in close quarters. And yeah. then and yeah. tempers rise a little bit. Yeah, and then also untoward things start happening because we do, we, we, we get some bodies, don't we? Well, and then all of a sudden, you know, the police ring up, um, a policeman shows up, this murder has happened in London um, a day or two before, it's all in the news, they're looking for the suspect, and then the police shows up and says they think the murderer is here, and they have a good reason to suspect that. Yeah, and maybe this reveals my own bias, but the radio does feature a little heavily in this. It's a, it's kind of a plot point in this because we have this voice on the radio yep. that announces it. Uh, just out of curiosity, who is your voice on the radio? My husband, Jerry Shario. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very much a family production, as we'll discover in just a second. But Jolena, um, I wanted to talk to you about your character. Now, the last time you were here was for CDA Act, and this was a production that uh, that Jamie was directing, but you were a shadow in that production. Correct. And then prior to that, you were Mrs. Peacock in Clue the Musical, I weren't was, you? Yes. So now you're playing Mrs. Ralston, who is the proprietor uh, of the, or the co-proprietor of this boarding home, no? Correct, yes. I'm, I play the role of Molly Ralston. 
Um, very different from Mrs. Peacock, I will say. Um, In Molly, a refreshing way? Uh, yeah, it's just very different. Molly is really excited for this guest house to open. She has high high hopes for how it will go, and she's she starts out just um, sort of obsessing. Actually, she continues to obsess um, about making sure that it runs smoothly. Well, it does not, <laughs> um, as as one can probably guess. Um, things start going wrong, and her character starts to just sort of you know fall apart because it's not going as she hoped. Yeah, and as Jeff indicated, there is a little bit of friction between this married couple, isn't there? So could you talk about your dynamic as a married couple and maybe how that feeds into some of the action and some of the the discomfort that's in the, or the energy or the anxiety that's in the, the house? Yes. Um, well, without giving too much away, I suppose, um, Molly and Giles start out um, already at coming from different different places because Giles is less excited about this idea. He even says to Molly, do you regret opening this this guest house? Should we have not done this? And she says, no, 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 this is going to be fine. It's going to work out, right? Um, and they're newlyweds too. And they're it's newlyweds. Like, They've know. only been together for, uh, only married for a year. So there's a lot there. And then Molly continues to be a lot more hopeful throughout the show, um, whereas Giles you know, he suspects somebody right off the bat and Molly does not agree. And so there's some friction there. Um, it all kind of comes to head in a moment when they get into an argument because of it. Yeah. And when um, bad things start happening, you gave some indication of how your characters respond. But uh, yeah, if you could tease that out a little bit more and how your characters are responding when these, yeah, pretty serious things. Start happening within Monkswell Manor. Absolutely. Uh, back to question marks. Molly has a past, and she does not even tell Giles about that. So mm. she's got her own secret that she's carrying, um, which is playing into how she feels about what's going on, um, wondering if she's safe, wondering about the people that she's surrounded with, but. Yeah, it's hard not to give too much away. <laughs> right, it's it's, it's such a challenge. It is. Yeah, it's treading that fine line because there are things that need to be preserved to keep the audience in suspense. Yes. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'll move on to Paul. And when I had mentioned that this was kind of a, a family production, so we have Jerry being the voice on the radio, we have Jamie as the director, and then we have Paul. Uh, Paul, your character is Sergeant Trotter, so you you get to be the detective in this. Yeah. Um, Tell us where he comes in and what he starts doing. So uh, Sergeant Trotter pretty much comes in like a little bit uh, later. Like, he calls up and he just comes down to follow up on a lead in the case of a murder that happened days prior to this event. And he's just basically just trying to find out who might be the next victim and how he can prevent it. And so are you kind of a, a, a wrangler in this, like a cat herder, or do you end up illuminating some of these dark pasts that the audience is then like, oh, I didn't expect that Pandora's box to open or that Pandora's box to open? Illuminating is an interesting word. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say a little bit of both. He tries to like make sure everything is under his control and that he gets to the point while also opening certain doors that were not expected to be opened. And um, 
with your mother as the director. Now, does this lead to conflicts? Do you, uh, you know, is there some family dynamic in there as well, where it's like, you know, she's she's directing you as an actor, but also as a son? Given our history, we know, like, the fine line between, like, uh, your personal relationship and then the relationship between a director and an actor. So, a bit of both. <laughs> and then I also wanted to talk about, well, well, actually, before we talk about some of the other characters that factor into this, Jeff, I wanted to talk about the transition, since we're on the subject of directors, talk about that transition from directing to acting. And so now you are in the uh, the position of taking direction from Jamie, whereas in Clue, you were giving it. Um, how does that change things for you? It's completely different. <laughs> um, you know, as a director, the the show is sort of your vision and you get to share that with the audience and the actors. Um, as an actor, you are given marching orders for the director's vision. And if there's anything that, you know, if you, if you have any question or if you have anything, whereas a director, you just answer it. But whereas an actor, you go to the director and say, well, what about this? What about this? Um, so and this this is my first time on stage in six years. So it's been a little bit of a, you know, stopping myself and being like, no, ask, don't make assumptions, ask the questions and, you know, sort of figure out from that point of view. Oh, that's interesting because we heard Amanda talk about her transition back to the stage. But even though you've been involved with the theater, you haven't been on stage in many yes. years. So, yeah, that's a bit of an experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, and some of these other characters that are also involved in this, and I don't know if yeah, one of you, uh, Jelena or Jeff or Paul, wanted to talk about these folks or Jamie as well. Um, we've got Christopher Wren, Major Metcalf, and uh, Mr. Paravicini. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, these are other guests that have come to the house. Uh, Major Metcalf uh, is a retired Army person, and he is, has for some reason come to the house to stay. Christopher Wren is also a, a young architect in the area learning architect and he's um, for whatever reason has also come to the house to stay and then Mr. Paravicini gets caught in the snowstorm that's not a giveaway we can we can give that one away he gets caught in the snowstorm he's the unexpected guest and he shows up and seeks respite at this house so that he can get out of the snow. Yeah, he supposedly had a car accident, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Christopher Wren is uh, a fairly anxious man, so yes, he, he seems is. to be a little nervous about something. So that's the the question mark that's looming over him now. Yes. Yeah. What what's going on in his past? He's um, a, a young man. He's got he's very childish in mannerisms, um, and uh, but he's. Uh, He's also got a bit of a dark, you know, he's kind of a dark mindset. So he's a, he's an interesting guy. And then uh, Major Metcalf, he's kind of, um, he's almost a blank slate. He's really interesting. He's almost like the, the metronome kind of keeping people kind of centered when they're on stage with him. You don't get a whole lot of rise out of him, although he does have some really nice little lines that he gets to dig in at various people on stage. And I, I don't want to neglect set, so I'd like to talk about that. But um, Paul and Jelena and Jeff, I want to give you the opportunity to head out into the performance space and get ready for the next scene that we're going to hear. But Jamie, if we could talk about set, because this takes place at a very specific time period. Is that what you're going for, or have you updated it a little bit? No, we've kept it to uh, between... Uh, it, they don't blatantly say when the show is set, but it's somewhere between 1948 and 1950 in the countryside of England. And it is an old manor house. It is a big house. And so when doing set design and figuring out how to construct this set in this smallish performing space, 
um, that was a fun challenge uh, to do. And having performed on this stage, I was like, I, I tried to turn it from a box into a triangle uh, to give a better lighting. There's only eight people on stage, so I can squeeze things in a little bit more. And um, I had a really fun time with my friend, Rolf Gessinger, who does a lot of scene work and set design and is an amazing artist on color choices and how to, as inexpensively as possible, get um, this beautiful, rich Victorian manor home on stage. And we're about to hear these three characters, Sergeant Trotter and Molly and Giles Ralston, perform a scene. Could you tell us what's going on in this scene just before we hear it? So in this scene, um, Mr. Uh, Trotter has uh, interrogated a lot of people. He's inspected the house and he's uh, uh, trying to kind of get a sense of what's going on, who's there and what's happening. So they are um, connecting to each other and doing sort of a, a check-in and the Ralstons are kind of questioning him as to just what really is going on. Great, let's hear that scene now. Mr. Ralston, just how much do you know about these people who are staying in your guest house? I, we, we don't really know anything about them. Ah. Mrs. Boyle wrote from a Bournemouth hotel, Major Metcalf from an address in, where was it? Leamington. Wren wrote from Hampstead and the Casewell woman from a private hotel in Kensington. Paravicini, as we've told you, turned up out of the blue last night. Still, I suppose they've all got ration books, that sort of thing. I shall go into all that, of course, but there's not much reliance to be placed on that sort of evidence. But even in this maniac is trying to get here and kill us all, or one of us, we're quite safe now, because of the snow. No one can get here until it melts. Unless he's here already. Here already? Why not, Mr. Ralston? All these people arrived here yesterday evening, some hours after the murder of Mrs. Stanning. Plenty of time to get here. But, except for Mr. Peravicini, they'd all booked beforehand. Well, why not? These crimes were planned. Crimes? There's only been one crime, in Culver Street. Why are you sure there will be another here? That it will happen here? No. I hope to prevent that. That it will be attempted? Yes. I can't believe it. It's so... fantastic. It isn't fantastic. It's just facts. You've got a description of what this man looked like in London? Medium height, indeterminate boot, darkish overcoat, soft felt hat, face hidden by a muffler, and spoke in a whisper. There are three darkish overcoats hanging up in the hall now. One of them is yours, Mr. Ralston. There are three lightest felt hats. I still can't believe it. I, I must go get on with the vegetables. And scene. And that was Paul Shariau, Juliana Long, and Jeff Rocco performing a scene from Tack at the Lakes, The Mousetrap, which is opening this weekend. And uh, I just want to say that the, the plot thickens, Jamie. We can hear it uh, thickening in that, in that yes. scene. Well, I want to thank you and Amanda and Kaylin for coming in today and, you know, the entire cast, really, for coming in to chat about this and then perform these scenes. Thank you very much. I've been speaking this morning with Jamie Shario, Kaylin Kahn, Amanda Jarvis, Paul Shario, Jolena Long, and Jeff Rocco of Tack at the Lake's new production of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. The Mousetrap opens on February 16th, and it runs all through this weekend with four performances— 
It also runs next weekend. That's February 22nd through the 25th with five performances. And tickets are available online at tackatthelake.com or you can get it at the door of the theater in Liberty Lake and that is located at 22910 East Appleway Avenue in Liberty Lake.